1: we go to the Cutty Sark over in Greenwich. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. Also, if you love the podcast and the channel, why not join us as a member? Join our group of what we like to call our London Visited Crown Jewels, where there are many different benefits, including a members-only monthly podcast. Have a look by going to patreon.com forward slash London Visited. Now to this week's podcast. The Cutty Sark is a British clipper ship, built on the River Levin, Dumbarton, Scotland in 1869 for the Jock Willis shipping lane. She was one of the last T-clippers to be built and one of the fastest, coming at the end of a long period of design development for this type of vessel, which halted as steamships took over their routes. She was named for the fictional witch Cutty Sark. After the big improvement in the fuel efficiency of steamships in 1866, the opening of the Suez Canal in 1869 gave them a shorter route to China. So the Cutty Sark spent only a few years on the tea trade before turning to trade in wool from Australia, where she held the record time to Britain for 10 years. Continuing improvements in steam technology meant that gradually steamships also came to dominate the longer sailing route to Australia and the ship was sold to the Portuguese company Ferreira & Co. in 1895 and renamed Ferreira. She continued as a cargo ship until purchased in 1922. By retired sea captain Wilfred Dowman, who used her as a training ship operating for Falmouth in Cornwall. After his death, the Cutty Sark was transferred to the Thames Nautical Training College, Greenhithe, in 1938, where she became an auxiliary cadet training ship alongside HMS Worcester. By 1958 she had ceased to be useful as a cadet ship and was transferred to permanent dry dock at Greenwich in London for public display. The Cutty Sark is listed by the National Historic Ships as part of the National Historic Fleet, the nautical equivalent of a grade 1 listed building. She is the only one of three remaining original composite construction, wooden hull on an iron frame, clipper ships from the 19th century, in part or whole, the others being the city of Adelaide, which arrived in Port Adelaide, South Australia on the 3rd of February 2014 for preservation and the beach skeleton of the Ambassador of 1869 near Punta Arenas in Chile. The ship has been damaged by fire twice in recent years. First on the 21st of May 2007, while undergoing conservation. She was restored and reopened to the public on the 25th of April 2012. On the 19th of October 2014, she was damaged in a smaller fire. Cutty Sark Whiskey derives its name from the ship. An image of the Clipper appears on the label, and the maker formally sponsored the Cutty Sark Tall Ships Race. The ship also inspired the name of the Saunders Row Cutty Sark Flying Boat. Cutty Sark was ordered by shipowner John Willis, who operated a shipping company founded by his father. The company had several ships in the tea trade from China to Britain. Speed was an advantage to vessels carrying a high-value seasonal product, such as tea. Faster ships could obtain higher rates of freight — the price paid to transport the cargo — and tea merchants could use the names of fast-selling ships that had carried their products in their advertising. Cutty Sark was ordered during a boom in the building tea clippers in the period 1865-1869, to something that was attributed to a substantial reduction in the import duties for tea. In 1868, the brand-new Aberdeen-built clipper, Thermopylae set a record time of 61 days port to port on her maiden voyage from London to Melbourne, and it was this design that Willis set out to better. It's uncertain how the hull shape for the Cutty Sark was chosen. Willis chose Hercules Linton to design and build the ship, but Willis already possessed another ship, the Tweed, which he considered to have an exceptional performance. The Tweed, originally called the Punjab, was a frigate designed by Oliver Lang based on the lines of an old French frigate built in Bombay for the East India Company as a combination sail paddle steamer. She and a sister ship were purchased by Willis, who promptly sold the second ship plus engines from the Tweed for more than he paid for both. The Tweed was then lengthened and operated as a fast sailing vessel, but was considered too big for the T-runs. Willis also commissioned two all-iron clippers with designs based upon the Tweed, Halloween and Blackadder. Linton was taken to view the Tweed in dry dock. Willis considered that the Tweed's bow shape was responsible for its notable performance and this form seems to have been adopted for the Cutty Sark. Linton, however, felt that the stern was too barrel shaped and so gave Cutty Sark a squarer stern with less tumble home. The broader stern increased the buoyancy of the ship's stern, making it lift more in heavy seas, so it was less likely that the waves would break over the stern and over the helmsman at the wheel. Cutty Sark was given masts that followed the design of the tweed, with similar good rake and the foremast on both placed further aft than usual. A contract for Cutty Sark's construction was signed on the 1st of February 1869 with the firm of Scott & Linton. Which had only been formed in May 1868. Their shipyard was at Dombarton on the River Leven, on the site previously occupied by the shipbuilders William Denny and Brothers. The contract required the ship to be completed within six months at a contracted price of £17 per tonne and maximum size of 950 tonnes. This was a highly competitive price for an experimental, state-of-the-art vessel, and for a customer requiring the highest standards. Payment would be made in seven installments as the ship progressed, but with a penalty of £5 for every day the ship was late. The ship was to be built to Lloyd's, A1 standard, and her construction was supervised on behalf of Willis by Captain George Moody, who would command her when completed. Construction delays occurred when Lloyd's inspectors required additional strengthening in the ship. Work on the ship was suspended when Scott and Linton ran out of money to continue. Rather than simply liquidate the company, an arrangement was made for Denny's to take over the contract and complete the ship, which was finally launched on the 22nd of November 1869 by Captain Moody's wife. The ship was moved to Denny's yard to have her masts fitted, and then on the 20th of December towed downriver to Greenock to have her running rigging installed. In the event, completing the ship meant the company's creditors were owed even more money than when work had first been halted. Cutty Sark has a registered length of 212.5 feet, with a depth of hold of 21 feet, and a net tonnage of 921. The hull is one of the sharpest of all the T Clippers. She has a coefficient of underdeck tonnage of 0.55, compared to the Thermopylae at 0.58. Cutty Sark prismatic coefficient, another measure of hull sharpness, is 0.628. This allows comparison with US built clippers. After the waterline length, the prismatic coefficient is the next most important determinant of potential hull speed. Unladen or with a cargo of low density, ballast was required for stability. For example, when she was loaded with wool, 200 tons of ballast was carried. The largest wool cargo she carried was 900 tons weight. The total of ballast and cargo of 1100 is consistent with the estimated deadweight cargo capacity of 1,135 tons at 20 feet draught. The largest tea cargo carried was 615 tons weight. Conversely, a dense cargo allowed full use of the deadweight capacity. If loaded with coal, she would usually carry 1,100 tons. Broadly, the parts of the ship visible above the waterline were constructed from East India teak, while American rock elm was used for the ship's bottom. The stern, 15 inches by 15 inches, and sternpost 16.5 inches by 15 inches were of teak while the rudder was of English oak. The keel was replaced in the 1920s with one constructed from 15-inch pitch pine. The deck was made of 3.5-inch thick teak while the tween deck was 3 inches yellow pine. The keel 16.5 inches by 15 inches had on either side a garboard strake, 11 inches by 12 inches and then 6 inches planking decreasing to 4.75 inches. At one-fifth the depth of the hold. Teak planking began at approximately the level of the bilge stringer. The hull was covered by Mutt's metal sheeting up to the 18-foot depth mark, and all the external timbers were secured by Mutt's metal bolts to the internal iron frame. The wrought iron frame was an innovation first experimented with in shipbuilding in the 1840s and was the standard building method for tea clippers by the middle of the 1860s. It consisted of frames, vertical, beams, horizontal, and cross-bracing, diagonal members. The diagonally braced iron frame made for a strong, rigid ship. Diagonal members prevent racking, shearing, where the frame rectangles become parallelograms. Less working and leaking of the hull meant less crew time spent pumping, allowing more time to be spent on the changes of sail. The wrought iron-framed hull also took up less cargo space than the all-wood hull would have done. The month's metal sheeting reduced fouling of the Cutty Sarks hull.
0: particular value of resources may vary by geography more info available at com.
1: this is her master's opinion she was built for me i superintended the building and fitting of her and i never sailed a finer ship at 10 or 12 knots she did not disturb the water at all although she was a very sharp ship just like a yacht her spread of canvas was enormous she was the fastest ship of her day a grand ship a ship that will last forever captain george moody A speck on the horizon. One day we sighted a vessel, a mere speck on the horizon, astern of us, and the way she came into view was evident she was travelling much faster than ourselves. Bringing the wind up with her was remarked on board, and that seemed the only feasible conclusion to arrive at and account for the manner in which she overhauled us. In a few hours she was alongside us and proved to be the famous British clipper Cutty Sark, one of the fastest ships afloat. She passed us going two feet to R1, and in a short time she was hull down ahead of us. Wool Clipper Crewman, 1879. The maximum log speed for Cutty Sark was 17.5 knots, 32.4 kilometers per hour, 20.1 miles per hour. Her greatest recorded distance in noon to noon sightings was 363 nautical miles, which is 672 kilometers or 418 miles averaging 15 knots, although she recorded 2,164 nautical miles in 6 days, which, given the weather over the whole period, implied she had achieved over 370 nautical miles some days. By comparison, Thermopylae's best-recorded 24-hour distance was 358 nautical miles. On another occasion, she recorded 3,457 nautical miles in 11 days. Cutty Sark was considered to have the edge in a heavier wind a thermopylae in a lighter wind. The ship was named after Carty Sark, the nickname of the witch Nanny Dee in Robert Burns' 1791 poem Tam O'Shanter. The ship's figurehead, the original of which has been attributed to carver Frederick Haler of Blackwall, is a stark white carving of a bare-breasted Nanny Dee with long black hair holding a grey horsetail in her hand. In the poem, she wore a linen sock, Scots for a short undergarment, that she had been given as a child which explains why it was cutty, or in other words, far too short. The erotic sight of her dancing in such a short undergarment caused Tam to cry out, Well done, cutty sock, which subsequently became a well-known catchphrase. Originally, carvings by Hellyer on the other scantily clad witches followed behind the figurehead along the bow, but these were removed by Willis in deference to good taste. Tam O'Shanter riding Meg was to be seen along the ship's quarter, the motto, where there's a will is away," was inscribed along the taffrail, with variable spaces enabling also the reading, where there's a will is away. The tweet, which acted as a model for much of the ship which followed her, had a figurehead depicting Tam O'Shanter. Cutty Sark was destined for the tea trade, a seasonal trade of high-value cargo from China to London. Through the premium or bonus paid to the ship that arrived with the first tea of the year was abandoned after the Great Tea Race of 1866. Faster ships could usually obtain a higher price for transporting their cargoes than others. Her first round-trip voyage under Captain George Moody began on the 16th of February 1870 from London with a cargo of wine, spirits, and beer bound for Shanghai. The return journey, carrying £1,305,812 of tea from Shanghai, began on the 25th of June, arriving the 13th of October in London via the Cape of Good Hope. Cutty Sark sailed in eight tea seasons from London to China and back. Cutty Sark's launch coincided with the opening of the Suez Canal to shipping. Her first trip encounters significant competition with steamships. The route from the Far East to London and many other European ports through the Suez Canal was shorter by about 3,300 nautical miles, compared to the sailing around the Cape of Good Hope. The route around Africa is in excess of 14,000 nautical miles. Typically, a clipper must log significantly more than that by planning her route for favorable winds. Whilst it was possible for a sailing vessel to take a tug through the canal, this was difficult and expensive. Furthermore, sailing conditions in the northern Red Sea were unsuited to the design of a tea T-clipper, so still they had to sail around Africa. The ability of a steamer to make, for example, 15 knots, continuously versus the fastest clipper voyage averaging under 6.5 knots over a longer distance gave steamships not only a more predictable voyage time but a substantially quicker one. Less obviously, steamship design had taken a large step forward in 1866, with Agmemon using high boiler pressure and a compound engine, so obtaining a large improvement in fuel efficiency. Ships of this type could compete with clippers before the Suez Canal opened. When the T-clippers arrived in China in 1870, they found a big increase in the number of steamers, which were in high demand. The rate of freight to London that was given to steamers was nearly twice that paid to the sailing ships. Additionally, the insurance premium for a cargo of tea in a steamer was substantially less than for a sailing vessel. So successful were the steamers using the Suez Canal that, in 1871, 45 were built in Clyde shipyards alone, for far eastern trade. The numbers of tea clippers sailing to China each year steadily reduced, with many ships being sold and moved to general cargo work. Costs were kept to a minimum and rigs were often reduced to baroque so that a smaller crew was needed. Cutty Sark's well-known race against Thermopylae took place in 1872, the two ships leaving Shanghai together on the 18th of June. Both ships were of similar size, length, beam, and depths were within one foot of each other. The Thermopylae had a slightly larger capacity. Two weeks later, Cutty Sark had built up a lead of some 400 nautical miles. But then lost her rudder in a heavy gale after passing through the Sundra Strait. John Willis's brother was on board the ship and ordered Moody to put into Cape Town for repairs. Moody refused, and instead the ship's carpenter, Henry Henderson, constructed a new rudder from spare timbers and iron. This took six days, working in gales and heavy seas, which meant the men were tossed about as they worked and the brazier used to heat the metal for working was spilled out, burning the captain's son. The ship finally arrived in London on the 18th of October, a week after the Thermopylae, a total passage of 122 days. The captain and crew were commended for their performance and Henderson received a £50 bonus for his work. This was the closest Cutty Sark came to being the first ship home. But it was Moody's last trip as a captain before he transferred to steamships. He was replaced by Captain F.W. Moore. Life at Sea A little east of the longitude of the Cape, We were favored by a great fair wind blow that tested all the resources of ship and crew. At the first spurt, heavy squalls came in from the southwest that threatened to take a toll on our masts, but later it steadied down to a hurricane straight from the west. Captain Wallace was sure in his element now. It was, stand by, the whole time, not knowing whether the sticks would go, but the splendid rigging and the equipment of sails in the Cutty Sark stood the strain. We lost two brand new top gallant sails and one lower fore topsail. A tremendous sea was running, and needs must we carry on or be pooped. The partial becoming of the lower sails by the stern seas was a great danger, as they filled again with a bang that threatened to burst them into tatters. It was some trick rebending sails. I had a time on the fore topsail yard for two hours. The ship took a green sea over the stern. And it appeared as if there were just three sticks set in the ocean as it swept the length of the deck. A crew member writing of life on board. So, I hope you've enjoyed our first look at Cutty's Ark. We have part 2 next week, so join us for that. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any places that you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, let me know through our website londonvisited.co.uk or through our social media. It's that easy! Thanks for listening and really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit
0: our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one.